podcaster. I hardly know her. <laughs> uh, hey guys, my name is Megan Bryant, and this is the I Hardly Know Her podcast. I'm an entrepreneur, a single mom of four young kids. I'm a comedian, an improv trainer, and an award-winning author. As I've been going through life, I've learned how much I love to share my stories, listen to others share their stories, and find connections of cool people doing cool things all around me every day. This is a podcast where I'm going to be all over the board. Personal growth, professional strategies, and my perspective and experiences on a lot of different topics. So join me, Megan Bryant, and let's keep in mind that we don't have to be a big deal to do big things. Today's episode is another swap cast. I got together with a new friend of mine, Monica Tanner, the host of a really cool podcast called On the Brighter Side, which I'm a really big fan of. And it was really fun for us to get together and we'd been wanting to uh, connect and chat and get to know each other a little better anyway. So enjoy this little peek into a conversation that we had talking a little bit about some of her projects, some of my projects and everything in between. Uh, Always fun to just sort of be a conversation between friends and our listeners get to sit in on the conversation. Monica and I met when we were at a local networking event for women with collaboration over competition, the whole thing about getting together, women's empowerment, helping each other know where we can fill in the blanks and, and together all of us be a collective success and so we we met that day I was doing a little bit of an intro to yes and um, icebreaker situation and then I heard about your podcast on the brighter side which I love I want I'm gonna dive in and ask you a little bit about that um, yes. and just being around you is just like a real warm fuzzy it is like the brighter side of like having humans in your space yes. that make you feel good about being alive so I love it I think this will be fun to it's always fun to get two microphones going and let's just see what happens when we can (laughs) share people that we like with our uh respective audiences perfect giddy up yeah so um I very much like to live on whatever see the brighter side of things that's kind of what happens when you're in like the space of humor finding ways to still laugh through challenging times, even if the situation maybe is not the funniest. Um, and so listening to like a handful of your podcasts, what I really like is just that it really, it kind of levels the playing field. A lot of the people that you interview, they're talking about stuff that is, it's not rocket science. It's stuff that we're all experiencing and somehow we just need to get to that place of shifting our perspectives. And so tell me about like why you wanted to do the podcast um, and maybe a trick or two of things that help you stay in that kind of more optimistic mindset. Yeah. So how far back do you want me to go? I mean, Wherever. the womb. Yeah. If you can, <laughs> man, if we can go all the way back, that's my favorite thing to say is like, tell me all about yourself. And like, it started back in when the- I was yeah, a, a wee little fetus inside my mother. And- yes. Exactly. I'm sure I had a great experience in there. I'm sure it was warm and fuzzy and I didn't want to leave. And then I got thrust out into the world, Mm -hmm, right? We all did. (laughs) So, so yeah, growing up, I feel like I had this really great, cushy childhood. My parents made a lot of money. Um, My, uh, my dad worked a corporate job. My mom had a a full-time job as well as going back to get her uh, PhD and counseling and so I was her little guinea pig. I used to take all of the 
personality assessments. I remember these little fun tests that she would mm-hmm. give me, you know, where you'd look at the blob, like, what do you see? Yeah. Those types of things. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, and then we had a live-in nanny um, who was just fantastic. I mean, she was a second mom to me. She spoke Spanish, so I learned fluent Spanish, um, which served me well living in Texas. And um, so my childhood was fantastic. I think I had everything I could have ever asked for and more. Um, but when I was 12, when I turned 12, my parents announced that they were divorcing. And I remember it just shocked me because I had never even heard them disagree about anything. And so I was like, what? Where is this coming from? And so my parents, who had been together since they were 16, they just kind of grew apart. And mm. so they were no longer sharing their dreams and goals with each other and were just, they grew apart and they wanted to allow each other to explore whatever that was. And so they decided to divorce. And all of a sudden, things got really real. And I feel like I grew up quickly. Mm. And I think ever since that moment, I have been really fascinated with the idea of marriage and like what keeps a marriage together and what makes a strong family. And so I've always really studied that Mm -hmm. around me in the world. And so um, I went to college. I studied child development and family relationships and shortly after I graduated, I got married to the man of my dreams. I think that we had, um, we had a great honeymoon period, but, but a great adjustment period in our marriage. The beginning of our marriage was difficult trying to learn how to men melt your lives and your beliefs and everything all together. And we had kids right off the bat. So we had four kids. I stayed home and raised those kids and They've all grown up to the point where my youngest started kindergarten and I had all this time on my hand and I was kind Mm. of searching for what I wanted to do with my life. I was like, okay, they don't need me as much and I know I have this great purpose and something I need to share and do in the world. And so I decided to go back to school to become a marriage and family counselor. Mm. And I went through the application process. I was super excited about it and I got two semesters in and decided this is absolutely not what I want to do. I didn't like what I I didn't like the subject matter that I was learning and I would come home literally from class just crying. Like mm. this isn't it. This isn't it. I'm not, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so I ended up withdrawing from the program and my husband thanked me for making a large monetary contribution to the university. <laughs> <laughs> And I got really depressed because I was like, oh my gosh, what's my mission? I thought that's what I was supposed to do and I, mm. and it's not and I don't know what to do now. And so I was kind of in the depths of depression and in walks to my house, our friend Russell Brunson, who's been oh, on the yeah. podcast and I think you know who he mm-hmm. is. Many of my listeners do. And he was like, hey, I think you need to take all of this stuff that you're really passionate about and start a podcast. And mm. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. How would I even do that? I'm, what do I even say? I have no clue how to do that. And he's like, well, I'm going to send you an email tomorrow with everything you need, all the technical side of it. And and I'm like, well, what, what would I even talk about? And he's like, just start talking and you'll find your voice. Yeah. And I was like, real skeptical. But I did what he said. <laughs> And, um, I started this podcast and for the first, I don't know, six months, it was like, I had no clue what I was doing, but I was having fun and I was contacting these guests and learning from them. And I wanted to learn how people, A, found their purpose, Mm. B, succeeded at their purpose through failure. So I was, I'm really fixated on this idea of failure and how 
failure leads to success. And so I wanted to talk to these really successful people who had gone through failure and come out on the other end successful and how they did that and what tools and habits and all those things. So that is really something I was really interested in. And I have since, now I've had this podcast for about a year and a half, Mm. and I have just decided to pivot and bring in marriage again. So I keep Mm. coming back to this idea of marriage. I'm kind of obsessed with it. And so um, I'm going to be launching this series on marriage. And from now on, probably, there's going to be a big emphasis on marriage in my podcasts because I feel like success in marriage leads to success in other areas of life. I really don't think you can have one without the other because if you are struggling in your marriage, a lot of your energy goes towards that Mm -hmm. relationship Mm -hmm. and it kind of sucks the life out of everything else that you could be doing. And I feel really strongly that one person can completely change the environment of a marriage. It Mm -hmm. doesn't, you don't need both of them participating. And so I feel like I have a different perspective and a lot to add. And I think that with my other guests, I think we can really flesh out what makes a marriage successful. So that's a long answer. I love it. Um, (laughs) I noticed, I think it was just today that you sent me a Facebook thingy about your marriage group on the brighter side of marriage. So I'm excited to see that unfold. I love everything that you said too about... um, Failure, and we've talked before a little bit. Um, and you asked me um, about a big failure, quote unquote, failure I had had. Um, and my whole perspective on failure has really shifted over the years to be like um, some some things I've heard you say, and I hear myself say them a lot, is that failing is a good thing. Like especially in my improv world, it's like say yes to something instead of hesitating and wondering about all the what ifs. And then if you try something and it does not go well, you just know that much quicker that that's not the right path, right? And so looking at that in the whole scope of um, of what people might call a failure, and sometimes things can be embarrassing if it's like a big thing, and a lot of my life is super public. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and I'm I'm really fascinated by the marriage stuff too, in that I had a 16-year marriage and there's a lot I learned from that. And there's a lot that I am taking into my future of how to negotiate whether or not I'll ever actually get married again. Because there's some <laughs> bad, bad taste in my mouth from certain things. Um, and like all the religious overtones and, and my ability to navigate through some spiritual trials and, and how sometimes things didn't line up. And a lot of a lot of the marriage stuff, I, I'm excited to see how it unfolds for you. But also, like, even though my marriage ended, I don't feel like it was a failure. I feel like it was, I mean, it was sort of technically when you're looking at, like, it's not a marriage anymore. And yet it's a incredibly vital part of my life. It got me my four amazing children. I learned a, a lot about myself, what I want to offer the world. Um, I mean, it was a shock to people when they realized I was getting divorced because I had put on my best face to try to hold it together to really present it as what I thought it could be. And and then there's a lot of time there needs to be give and take. And, um, and both people, I'm interested to learn more on like one person can really, a lot can hinge on that. And I think there has to be some give and take. Certainly, we're going to have parts of life where we're the one that needs someone to be the stronger person to pull us up when we need it and vice versa. 
and to bend on certain things and to hold totally solid and resolute in other things. And, um, and I think that marriage is a really important thing and is sometimes just so, um, I don't know, like it's almost like it's misunderstood and it's taken advantage of or taken for granted by some people. And there's just so much in there. So I think that's really exciting. Um, to hear what you what you have coming on because if if anything like when people sort of cheer me on that I got divorced or what and like I'm like you know it's hard to know what to say when someone gets divorced yeah and certainly if it got to that point it needed to happen because if if only one person doesn't want to be involved then a marriage can't be a healthy safe mm-hmm. emotional space for everybody and and then on the other hand, like I hear all these people having divorce parties and really celebrating. And I'm like, ah, you know, I mean, I get it that in some cases, like there's really devastating scenarios that people are in and being able to move forward and find a way for each individual to be healthy. Um, as long as both people are able to take ownership of it, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot. There's a lot there, obviously, and I feel like I'm going all over the place with stuff, but I think it's really cool because as much as it was a very challenging time for me, and I still am navigating some of the shifts yeah, yeah that happen, um, I, I really cherish that, and I have a lot of love and admiration for my ex, and there was a lot of great times, and I take ownership of the things that... I maybe could have done better, but I didn't know better. Mm-hmm. Like, what happens when we learn things? When we know better, we do better. Yeah, we can. Some people know better, and they don't want to do better. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to do better. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when you have that information, you're like, oh, it's more work, I think, to take the high road, to do the work to do better, to um, hold yourself accountable to putting in effort. Because the best things in life that have longevity and, and can withstand the storms take a lot of work. Um, and so sometimes I think people know better and they don't feel like they don't have the energy or the interest to do better. They want someone else to yeah. do the heavy lifting, you know? Yeah. Well, you said a lot in there. We I started talking <laughs> about, <laughs> I should have like timed you but um (laughs) but you started talking about failure Mm -hmm. when you started and I think the most important thing I've learned from just interviewing all these people is that there are so many gifts that can come from failure if you will look for them so for you it was your kids it was what you learned about yourself it's what you realized you wanted um and like there's these beautiful gifts just packaged up in failure so there's no need to be afraid of it Mm -hmm. um I mean, definitely, I am such a big proponent of get out there and just go for it. Just try it. Because either way, you're either going to succeed or you're going to fail. And if you fail, there are so many gifts and it's yeah. just a stepping stone to success. So totally, I love that about failure. And then when you talk about marriage, yeah, I feel like so much of the population is married and if you ask a lot of married people, they want to change something about their marriage, which really means they want to change something about their spouse. Mm-hmm. And so what I really want, I, I kind of want to debunk that, that yeah. you do, don't need to change anything about your spouse, that you have 
complete control of your experience in your marriage without having to change anything about them. Right. And, um, and so that's what I'm really excited to teach about. Oh yeah. I love that. Well, and again, that kind of touches back into the space of teaching yes. And for healthy boundaries, for understanding that like, as much as I learn the things I love, I want to be able to be me. I don't want to feel bad about hobbies that I enjoy, the kind of music I listen to, what the food I eat, whatever the things are. I want to be able to do those things that I love. And just as much as the person in my relationships or anyone around me, they want all those things too. So in that space, it is like totally goes along those lines of you don't have to change someone using yes as an acceptance tool or acknowledging that that's how they are. And then how do you work together to both be okay doing your thing and having a lot of that give and take of what like you're there's no point in trying to change someone exactly and if someone ever pushes a yes on you we don't like that feeling of being forced to do something okay so I want to ask you something when you're talking about looking for the brighter side of things what happens when you can you recognize when you're coming in contact with something that you're going to need to shift your mindset about when the dark side is coming in, so to speak, like anything in that scope of like, how do you recognize it that you're like, Oh, I need to stay in this active, positive mindset. Um, or do you notice it? Yeah, no. So that's a great question. Great question. I think that my key to staying on the brighter side, because there are those dark times, I've definitely experienced times difficult challenges, depression, anxiety. Um, and, and I think what gets me through those times is one gratitude. Mm. So I feel like you can always find the light. You can always find the light at the end of the tunnel or something a little bit brighter when you consider your blessings and all the things that you have to be grateful for. So I think a gratitude journal of some sort is always helpful when you're experiencing trials or something difficult. Um, Prayer for me, I think is very helpful when I know that I can tap into that higher power and say, Mm -hmm. I need help with this. Like this is, you know, this is difficult and it's hard and I need to, I need this power that's higher than myself. Um, so prayer and gratitude and, um, and just being able knowing that I have a support group for 12 years, I've dealt with some form of anxiety in the fall. Mm. It's very cyclical and I'm getting a handle on it now, but I know who I can call and be Mm. like, Hey, I'm really struggling. You know, can you come over and help me with this? Or can you make sure that I'm eating? Um, there's people that have proven themselves over time as my support group and people that I can trust and count on to be there when I'm really struggling. So those Mm. three things I think help me stay on the brighter side. I love that. I love that you are able to like identify it and ask for help. Like a lot of Mm -hmm. times we don't ask for help Mm -hmm. and I get kind of over that. I grew up Mormon. Actually, I was active until just a while ago. I stepped back last year just to kind of take a breather and reevaluate things in life. Uh, and nothing negative on, on the church. Certainly there's so many positives that come from community of probably most religions. And, um, and that certainly was true for me. What I find, found though was that a lot of times 
you don't recognize what people are struggling with and we want to help serve each other and we don't know how to do that. And as crazy as it probably was, Facebook Live was becoming very popular the like fall and or spring and summer before I got divorced. And so I was doing Facebook Lives and, and kind of feeling like, oh, I'm putting on this this front with all this other stuff behind the scenes. And then I finally just started being like, hey, here's real talk. This is where I'm at. And I was, for a while there, I was kind of known for crying on my Facebook Lives, <laughs> which I think, I mean, I know it made some people uncomfortable, but on the other hand, some people were like, oh, because I wasn't com- like, woe is me. I was talking about like, certain things I was learning along the way and sharing as it went. And then people knew how to help me. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, if this is something that I can fall on the sword for, for people, because I'm not really that uncomfortable anyway, anymore of how people think of me. Mm -hmm. I like let go of that a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I just am like, they only know what they see anyway. So if people are judging me based off of what they see on social media, they're only getting that little snapshot, right? So allowing it to be really real and being like, man, I don't want to get three or four years down the road and then be looking back because so many of our stories are, oh, and I went through this, it was so hard and I felt so alone and whatever the case was. And instead, like letting people into the time when it's real and raw. And then I feel like I navigated through the hardest parts of all those adjustments way quicker because people knew, mm-hmm. oh, Megan needs us right now. Yeah. They knew, like, I, I was, of course, I was having dinners delivered a lot. I was having people come in and, and help me with the kids and cleaning my house and, and letting me have the moments that I needed to just kind of crumble and then reassuring me. And, and so I think that's fantastic. I love seeing more and more um, articles and people speaking out about, like, ask for help. Like there's really all of us are dealing with something. Mm -hmm. It may be varying levels of extremity, extreme. What's the right word for that? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and none of them are wrong. And the more that we let people know, oh, this is the type of thing I struggle with. Then it just lets people understand how to rally. And there's this huge education piece, like stuff. Once we share stories, then if we find out there's things that are relatable, that um, really kind of give us some more of that human connection, Um, it just helps us to, I think, find the brighter side quicker Mm. when you realize you're not alone and that it will pass. Mm. And then it's maybe on to the next trial in some cases that we build up our armor of how to fight the battles in life. But I just found a lot of joy in being very vulnerable because then I was like, I have nothing else to hide. Like for me, I kind of felt like, I could do anything. I felt almost like now I'm untouchable. If I'm talking about the stuff that's really hard, then the people who love me will stay with me. And the people who it makes uncomfortable or whatever, they can go do whatever they need to do. Um, And it didn't change who I was and, and, and minimize the things that I was going through. And then it gave me those opportunities to recognize in abundance the blessings were there at max at my also maximum low, mm-hmm. which uh, that to me was just like, Whoa, this yeah. is what life is. It's hard and awesome all at once. Yeah. Ugh. I think when it comes to asking for help, I've learned that life is kind of a series of ups and downs mm-hmm. and we kind of take turns. And so yeah. when we're feeling good, we have the opportunity to help others. Mm-hmm. And when we're fe- we're not feeling good, 
others have the opportunity to help us. And if we will accept that help from others, yeah. we learn good we learn what helps us. And so I think for me, when I've needed help, the help that has come in has taught me how then I can reciprocate mm, and help others. And sure. typically it's not those same people. It's somebody else. Yeah. But I remember we were moving once and my fr- like three friends showed up at my door and they had their cleaning supplies and they were ready to help me move out of this house. And I remember thinking, how did you know? Like, how did you know I needed help cleaning? I'm so overwhelmed by this. Mm. Um, and they were like, because people have done it for us. Yeah. And I oh, realized in that moment so that when you accept help, not only does it make you more compassionate, but it gives you kind of tools that now when you see your friends going through things that you can be like, oh, I know how to help because I have benefited from help in those times as well. So Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I'm recognizing that I'm supposed to be funny on this part for your name. <laughs> She's funny. I oh promise. my gosh. It is so funny. Um, my friend and I were talking the other day about how I'm totally just shifting gears here. Cause that's Good, what my brain goes. It. But I have an obligation and a responsibility to somehow be funny. Um, but I, I actually was thinking just when you were saying that and it, 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 um, made me realize that sometimes that I, the way I get to serve people is I go and I be silly and I will best medicine. Yeah. There's a lot of times that I will just, someone will pop into my mind before I have like a workshop come up or something for teaching improv or sometimes if I have a comedy show coming up and someone will pop into mind that I may not have thought about for a long time. And I just know anymore, like, Oh, if someone pops to mind, there's a reason. And so like looking for uh, what I have coming up and then being like, Hey, I, don't know what we have going on on whatever date, but I have a comedy show. I would love to comp some tickets for you and three friends or whatever, uh, or come to a workshop. And and it has always just been this like, because they will reply back and they're like, how did you even, this would be perfect. Yeah. And, it, and then they might have a friend that is it, like, maybe they're the one that needs to bring the friend that that friend I didn't even know. Yeah. And so there's just like this really cool connection of listening to, our own experience and our intuition and being able to put it back out into the world again in ways that it's like, I feel like there's so many people that have helped me that I'm like, I could never repay. Literally, I could never repay for the things that I've been given, like toys in my house, things that have been given to me by friends and um, home goods and, and stuff that it's just like, I, I won't ever have that capacity probably, or at least not for a while. And then taking that responsibility though and helping to put it back and and give people the laughs because yeah, in real life, in a in a staged setting where it's, people are ready for comedy, it's so different than when I'm being interviewed yeah, on a podcast yeah. and like ooh, they're just <laughs> me funny on demand, which is kind of I know. Well, I, I don't tell know. people now that I want I want to get into comedy, and I think yeah. I'm hilarious. Like yeah. I feel like I make people laugh, right? But people are like, "Be funny," and I'm like. What? Right. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You can't just be funny on demand. Like, yeah. If I'm ever in a group setting like that, I naturally kind of step into like show off mode or whatever. I step into the, I make my own spotlight sometimes. And it just feels real natural when you're in the room of, of people and you're feeding off of those things that connect. Cause I like to look for ways to show like that's what's funny is when we can find those things that we relate to. And so when I'm listening to people banter and then I can give like a one liner that like, kind of twists it and makes it sound like why that was a silly thing or whatever. Um, it's just such a different dynamic. And when I'm 
when I'm thinking about being funny because I'm also really, really sensitive. I'm a really empathetic person. Um, one of my personality tests that I'm obsessed with is Strengths Finders. Have yeah. you ever done that I one? I haven't. I need uh, to do all of I that. Love, I love personality tests because yeah. they really, they're all, almost always just dead on, right? So then it's like, well, I'll take these periodically and then it reinforces like I'm on the right track of being the kind of person that I am. But it is like my empathy for people. Sometimes things feel so heavy that I'm like, oh, how do I bring them to safety that it's going to be like, okay. And, and in the world of comedy, then it's like, especially in standup when you're, there is some self-deprecation and letting people know that it's okay to laugh at you and with you. Um, I mean, I make a lot of jokes about being a, have had five babies. And so like, I, even though I'm slim and I'm into fitness, like there's parts of my body that <laughs> when I'm naked, it looks like I've had five babies. And so I, I make jokes about that. But then man, when you see the women in the room, uh, that are just like, Oh yeah. Cause they, again, like people see what they, what we want them to see. And so I like to look really nice at my shows. My hair will be all done. I love wearing sequins and big earrings and whatever. And so sometimes I think that it could come across as almost like a little bit intimidating or I've learned as a female comedian, especially one that like people are attracted to me, not necessarily because of my looks, but just ever since I was really young, like people have always just been drawn because I'm like such a safe space and make people feel okay. But in a comedy world, like I have to be like, I have to bring out the big guns to be like, no, under this sequins blouse are boobs that hang to my belly button and (laughs) It's like putting a bra, my, putting my bra on is like putting one on the air tube wobbly armed guys outside of the car dealership that are flapping every which way, right? And so when they can visually see that and understand that it's like, yeah, we're all, we all have these things that connect. It's not even necessarily that I'm saying really funny things. It's just those general observations that are like, yeah, we, you know, like we get it. And that's what becomes a good release. And sometimes it is those really simple things that can connect us and and help us get through another day. And then when someone, I know for me, if I watch comedy or if I'm watching or listening to someone else's story and I love listening to podcasts to hear other people's experiences and find those connections. And, and then I forget about the things that are hurting me for that moment mm-hmm. or the trials. Mm-hmm. Like they just feel lighter in that moment. And I love being able to find those opportunities to, to connect with that and I always want to apologize to people. I'm like, I don't owe any of your listeners a justification at the On the Brighter Side podcast, but I do still feel like the, this responsibility to be funny, funny and on, and yet that's just because that's my my job. Like, I'm currently dating a personal trainer, and he's like, I get that all the time. People hear I'm a personal trainer, suddenly they want me to evaluate right. their meal. They're asking if I'm judging them because they're eating a burrito or whatever, you know? I'm like, huh, it really is like whatever job we're in is like, oh, you're a doctor. Can you give me my annual exam for free real quick? (laughs) Just over in the bathroom. Right, everybody. That's so funny. Well, I definitely think that laughter is the best medicine Mm -hmm. and I've seen it work so well, especially in my kids. Like, I don't know, like sometimes when my kids have meltdowns and especially my emotional, uh, I want to say female, but my daughter who is a teenager <laughs> she is a female she is a female technically. but that sounds weird my daughter my who female is, human offspring yeah, exactly um who is definitely going through she's growing up and having growing pains and very emotional mm. and I've noticed that when she's having just a super emotional time about her hair or her clothes or something that happened at school something that 
is just setting her off and you just you have this bevy of emotions and sometimes I'm just like a deer in the headlights like what do I do here yeah I've noticed if we can make something funny and my husband's really good at it just make like just stop it and make her laugh mm. it is like such a change like yeah. all of a sudden you have all these emotional and these tears and mm -hmm. yelling and my life is horrible and if you can just spark a little bit of laughter it's yeah. like amazing night and day like all mm. of a sudden it's like I can handle it yeah. it's okay it's like I don't know if it's just a rush of endorphins but it's so cool to watch what laughter can do for just this negative spiraling emotional mess yeah you can just inject a little bit of laughter a little bit of humor mm -hmm. lightheartedness and all of a sudden everything's okay totally it is like a release mm -hmm. it like lets somebody go oh they're we're feeling the pressure yes. and then oh yeah yeah i totally get that and as much as i i sometimes really think because i i feel like a lot of times i'm not funny <laughs> And yet I'll hear myself, like, I'll watch playback on a video or I'll listen to a recording because I want to try to make my jokes better. And stand-up, obviously, improv is a little different dynamic because it's totally different energy behind that type of comedy. But I sometimes I'm like, I'm not even funny. And then I'll hear people laughing at stuff. And I'm like, why are they even laughing? You know, like, I really look at the science of, like, how is it that you take this certain series of words and you point out something that seems kind of obvious but just sometimes talking about things out loud or shifting the attention from something that is heavy um it's pretty magical and I think it's really um it's a really vital thing and a lot I, I feel a little bit of overwhelm sometimes with that being my job that I'm supposed to yeah you walk around be able to like, deliver make me that. laugh yeah make me laugh. exactly and like sometimes I don't want to you make me laugh I'm having a bad day uh, but then, yeah, so as we kind of, maybe we'll shift on a couple of things here as we bring this uh, gravy train to a, a, a halt here. When I talk about um, stand-up and stuff, uh, I, there's a difference between like those structured jokes and like how to make a joke, right? Versus improv. And you actually recently came to an improv intro to Yes And workshop. Yeah, and it was so fun. And you dragged your husband yes. semi-unwillingly. Yes. He did actually or didn't know it was an improv workshop. I can't remember if you actually said that he I knew. I think he knew, but he was super skeptical. And I told <laughs> you about this transition he made. But we, when we got there, he was like, oh, so frustrated. Like, why are you making me do this on a Saturday? I have so much to do. I don't want to be here. <laughs> And then it was a three-hour workshop with a, a break in the middle. And so at the middle break, he's like, okay, it's not the worst thing I've ever done. Like, I'm still alive. And then by the end, he was like, okay, this is fun. Like, I'm glad we did it. And so it was so fun to watch him just go from being miserable, like, this is going to be horrible, yeah. to, okay, it wasn't so bad, and then, th this was actually fun, and I learned a lot, so, yeah. yeah, you did that. Very cool, glad to have that yes-demonial. I think that it's interesting, though, in those workshops, a lot of times they're not what people expect, because it is, I focus a lot on why we have to have the connection, and why we as humans sometimes fall short, because we judge each other and ourselves, or we don't stay present in the moment, and we miss opportunities, um, and then just the simple application of yes and, but in an improv environment, it's very uplifting and it's about the other people and, and finding ways to showcase what other people's strengths are and allowing them to be who they are. And so I just sort of float around in this space of like, how do I, um, help people see that it's not necessarily that we have to try to be funny. We get to just be funny when we're being real 
when we're being in the moment, when we're observing what's going on and we're just really accepting of it. Um, and so I wanted to do a, a little back and forth of one of the games that we played yeah. while we were in the workshop um, because sometimes we try to overthink ahead of time. Um, like, oh, I don't want to say or do something sort of weird, but so, it's sometimes we need to just take things back to the very most simple mode, right? Mm-hmm. So we did a game called Three Things. Okay. And we'll do a little bit of a back and forth. And with three things, for those that are listening, you someone will just give a prompt, any prompt. It could be a word, a topic, or whatever. And the other person doesn't know what it's going to be yet. But without hesitation, they need to say the first three things that come to mind as quick as possible. And when you're in a big group, sometimes people start blurting things out that are totally unexpected and whatever. <laughs> but you don't have to justify. There's no need to make a, a, a reasoning for it. You just go for it and accept that that's what was there. So um, let's do a little bit of back and forth. I'll do one for you. Okay. And then we'll do our little reset where we'll go three things okay. between. And you do one. We'll just do a couple back and forth and just see what happens. Okay. So this okay. is first three things that you think of. Um, things that start with the letter R. Roses, retainers, <laughs> Rotary Club. Three things. Three. One for me. Oh, uh, um, things that are funny. Monica, <laughs> the show Friends, and people that trip going upstairs. Three, Three things. things. Um, hair. Uh, gorgeous locks, brunettes, and lice. Three things. Things things that make you go, hmm. Um, People that wear their pants too low. Um, (laughs) Things that make you go, hmm. Um, Kids eating boogers. And people who... Do stand-up comedy for a living. <laughs> Three things. <laughs> um, fruit. Guava. Starfruit. Jicama. <gasps> Three, Three things. things. Accessories. Earrings. Underwear. Belts. <laughs> Three, Three things. things. Um, clear. Glass. Glasses and <laughs> drinking glasses. <laughs> Three things. One more. One more. You get, give me one more. Okay. Uh, things you've learned from failure. Um, that stuff is funny. That life is not that scary. And how to do things better next time. Yes. Three, <laughs> Three things. things. That was awesome. Oh. So that's just like one example of like the many games. When people come in, they think, oh, I have to be funny. They're going to be put on the spot. Like a lot of things that we just actually feel in everyday life are kind of what people expect when they're coming into an improv workshop. And I really love when people like you like embrace the opportunity to like make you didn't know exactly what was going to happen and you I'm sure I haven't gotten to spend a ton of time with you but you do have a natural energy around you and you say things that are pretty witty and like I think that you are probably <laughs> a funny person to be around I think I'm funny. someday we'll validate that when I bring you to an open mic yes I'm doing it I already have I already I've sold tickets already oh perfect excellent that's because we need that's part of being a comedian when you start out you have to bring people to the yes, show so yes. that you can get 
get stage time. That's a Her. whole it's a whole part of the strategy. Um, but it's fun. It's really fun to get into each other's space and recognize there's really even though we're in a, a different maybe different industry focuses and whatever different life experiences. I think that looking for the connections and where there's a lot of practical tools that make life more manageable, that make it more fun, looking for opportunities to be more cheerful. I like smiling way more than I like for the sure. opposite, right? And so I I really enjoy the opportunity to come and do a an on-location interview in your office on a sunny, beautiful day. Like There's a, so many things to be grateful for and to find um, the simple joys in life and not overcomplicate it and and just kind of be there to rally for each other and yeah so I'm excited to keep listening to more of your podcast oh, and I will definitely too. I'm excited to direct people your way yeah me too I would love for you to talk for just a second about your podcast and your book yeah okay cool yeah so my podcast I hardly know her I sort of stumbled into it because I wanted to do a podcast for a long time like ever since I heard about podcasts years ago I was like oh but I didn't know what to talk about I was like who would want to listen to me then a lot of things that I hear podcasters say quite often, they're like, why, why would anyone listen to me? And, and so I just wanted to finally do it. For me, it's a great way to um, verbally process. I like, I like to hear things and then I can understand them better. So to hear my own opinions um, is helpful and to see my own evolution because I've seen where as I've learned new things, I've learned to do things better, to be a little bit more... Um, on my A game as Megan in the best way possible. Um, and it kind of covers all sorts of topics. Like it's sort of anything goes. I'm starting to interview people a little bit here and there. Uh, and a lot of it is just for me to have an outlet and kind of to marry all these different things since I don't have a actual physical husband of a man, you know, a human man yet. I like to use that terminology still of finding those ways to bring together the things that I love that are my strengths I love writing. I've written one book so far, and it won an award for being the top three autobiographies for um, a, a group here in Idaho, which was kind of cool and validating that I think that's what I'm supposed to do is to share my stories, to be really real and raw and still have fun. Yeah. Like there's definitely tons of laughter along the way. So my first book was uh, called Not My Plan, Sucking It In Until I Had to Push It Out. Um, recounting the time I got pregnant in high school and I hid the pregnancy all the way up until I went into labor, which was challenging. Um, and I don't recommend it. Uh, late nineties fashion though was really helpful cause I, it was baggy and whatever. People couldn't see my growing belly under my TCBY uniform, but, um, just, and I'm working on another book that has, uh, the same title, yes. which is, um, I call it influencer. I hardly know her. Because everyone is obsessed with influence yes. and like being an influencer. They just decide, I'm going to be an influencer. And I'm like, well, what are you trying to make people do? I think it's becoming this thing of, of like showing people how they're supposed to live their life. And, and that's like the really shortened version. There's, of course, many different um, facets of it, different types of media, religions we're influenced by, all of our relationships um, personally and professionally and even what we choose to watch if I watch a movie that's really uplifting and fun and lighthearted versus something that's really dark and murders and cutting people up to bits like some movies that are out there that are just like why is this a thing 
Like this came out of someone's brain that they want to saw people's limbs off one by one. Like, you know, there's, we, so when we're aware of all the things that are influencing us, we get to then become better individuals and that will naturally become a more positive influence in the world around us. So the whole, the book is essentially to kind of maybe a little bit hypocritically. I know some people kind of jab at me because like I need followers and fans to keep my shows full, to sell my books, to whatever. Um, and I don't take that, that responsibility lightly though. I think that's where we miss it is like my point in life is to try to be a positive influence, whatever the thing is that I'm producing and to make sure that I am taking my opinion and putting it out there that like, if we're going to be an influencer, like you better be intentional about what you're doing with it. Mm. Like maybe if you really want to be an influencer on Instagram and you just want to sell fashion, like, okay, everything in your life though needs to somehow be in line with a way that will make people want to be in line with you. You know, it can't be forced. It can't be contrived. People can tell if something is really inauthentic and um and so yeah I think it's just my goal is to bring the what we think about influence and just really try to internalize it and then do our own personal inventory and sorting out what makes us feel better what have we learned from and then how do we put the best things the most positive things back out into the world and at least use our influence for good even if it even if it only touches me even if I just die tomorrow but I've allowed myself to become better Mm. and to make better choices and to evolve into a more well-rounded human that's a win even Mm -hmm. if my single life was the only one affected but that's never the case sure and and that but in fact taking that internally makes me so much more aware and value everybody else around me. I look at my little children and I see them as these little individuals and I want them to thrive as the individual they are. And so I I like really care so much more about allowing my self-care and my awareness of Megan to just, because I know that, yeah, anyone we interact with, like I've overcome road rage because of the (laughs) fact that I've really taken it and looked at it differently because I'm like, do I really want to, let my day get ruined because one person cut me off and they maybe didn't even realize it. Sometimes people are inconsiderate drivers and whatever, but like, what am I going to change? I can't control that. And then I would like get all, I'd be mad and I'd be honking. And then I heard one of my kids be like, go like yelling just because we were sitting at a light and I'm like, there's cars in front of me, but I'm like, they're picking up on something as simple as road rage and I just let it go. Uh, I very rarely get miffed about it. And if I do, then I'm like, you know what? I love that person. <laughs> they don't realize that they are, they know not what they do. <laughs> let, yes, them, yes. let them roll forth and maybe they're on their way to an emergency. I've been running late and I've probably been the a-hole on right, the road before. Right, I, like, right. The coolest thing I think about producing podcasts and books and things like that. And for me, I have to remember when I'm looking at my numbers and I'm like, ugh. You know, I feel like Mm -hmm. it should be bigger. My numbers should be bigger. I have to remember, like, I actually am just leaving a legacy for my children and my children's children. They will be able to hear my voice, Mm -hmm. know what I'm passionate about, be able to see the things that I've learned through my life. And when you write, same thing. They're getting to know your heart and your spirit and your experiences. And so I think... For me, and I love it, my youngest little boy, he's seven, he will literally get my phone 
and I erase all the games he downloads. So when he can't <laughs> find any games, he'll turn on my podcast. Yeah. And he's just like walking around the house listening to my podcast, which makes me so excited. Yeah. And I just think it's so cool because I'm like, if nobody else listens, if nobody else gets anything about it, my kids will know what was important to me and they'll yes. be able to hear my voice. And I, I just that. think that's priceless. Totally. So just remember that, like, you know, I've talked to other podcasters who are super discouraged and I'm like, hey, honestly, you, it doesn't matter who listens right. or if anybody gets any value out of it, you do it for yourself, do it for your kids. Yep. And, um, it's just, nobody gets to start in the middle. That's the thing you got to start yeah, at the beginning. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's slow and it's treacherous, but remember that you do this for yourself. You do this for your kids and that might be where it ends. Absolutely. I love it for personal accountability for myself too, mm-hmm. is that like when I make a commitment to do something and I say it out loud, I, I feel like it holds myself to a higher level for me to keep improving and to be very aware of what I'm saying and doing. Um, and yeah, it just... So yeah, even if it is just for me later, and yeah. I hear I hear my kids do the same thing. They'll be listening to it around the yeah. corner, or they see like a TV it. commercial or whatever. That's a whole other thing. Oh, mom's on the TV, but there's just it's pretty cool to just be aware of how we're how we're putting things out into the world and be mindful of like we get to make the decision if it's going to be a positive thing and something that like can be that legacy of joy and finding things that you want to leave a positive mark on the world. Yeah, that's it. I love it. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for taking the time. I think it's super fun to both hit record and see what happens. Yeah. And... Thank you. It's been a, <laughs> such a fun conversation. I don't, there wasn't a ton of questions. We just no. kind of talked back and forth. Yeah. I feel like I liked it that way. I didn't yeah. do a very good job actually really writing things down because I just felt like I want to get to know you a little yeah. better anyway. And I feel like I got so to do that. Fun. So fun. <laughs> very cool. Thanks for listening to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. Follow all my shenanigans at meetmeganbryant.com. And remember, we don't have to be a big deal to do big things.